Welcome to WrestleWolf. This is a special edition of AEW Weekly, uh, where we're going to break down uh, yes. Evolution, right? That's the name of the podcast, uh, the pay-per-view, <laughs> according to the big show. I am Dr. Damien Gibson. <laughs> I didn't go to seven years of wrestling school to be called Mr. Thank you very much. And joining me, as always, is Sir Matthew Kayfabe from the Kayfabe family. That's right. I live in a large castle in England. We uh, maintain the manor. That's our public service. We we have various people working for us. And, uh, mm. you know, we, we root our relatives. That's... <laughs> so I'm hoping to get off this podcast and fuck my sister. Um, oh, that, that made me feel a bit weird because I do have a sister. That's a T-shirt. <laughs> um we uh we spent a lot i mean we message each other quite a bit Mm. usually the majority of it it's either about wrestling or alternative rock music they seem to be the two things that we talk to each other yes um and we there were we actually disagreed with each other a lot for the first time i found in the last couple of weeks like aw has sort of brought out uh it's been the perfect partnership so far where there's been basically no disagreements at all except for Bret Hart, um, which I feel like is not a real disagreement. I can't tell. It, legit- sometimes. it legitimately <laughs> is real. But, uh... Uh, but um, yeah, we. I thought uh, you suggested we just have a conversation about Revolution and AEW in general. Mm. And I think um, there were, th- were like three things that disappointed me last night when I was watching this. But overall, I don't know if I've seen a pay-per-view better booked in since the last revolution. That's interesting. What were your what were your three disappointments? Well, look, as much as I kept trying to play it cool over the last week of like, I know it's not CM Punk. I know, can I tell this story real quick? Yeah. It's a very Damien story. So I'm watching uh <laughs> so I'm watching Revolution. And my my smartwatch, which you know has news alerts and stuff on it, which I complete, I always forget about. This is how I always get spoilers: is by my watch going beep beep and me looking at it, going no. So I'm watching Revolution. I'm about two matches into the pay per view. My phone, my watch buzzes, and I just see the word CM Punk, and I don't know anything about anything yet. Like I don't know who who the <laughs> the special <laughs> signing is. And up until that point, I had convinced myself like. I kept saying to you, I think it's Brock Lesnar. Right? Yeah. And I was like, if it's not Brock Lesnar, it'll probably be Kurt Angle because that's what you were But I think that's saying. what our so what, I, what our listeners definitely got from this was that you were trying to do that thing where you jinx yourself and you're like, oh, I was wrong, but I'm glad it is CM Punk. <laughs> <laughs> I genuinely thought it would be Brock Lesnar because CM Punk has, has been unhappy with AEW because they used his name, remember? And then he... Got up on Twitter and was like, fuck the Bucks and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and then people were like, oh, it's a work. But then it didn't seem... I, the CM Punk seems to hate everyone. Uh, anyway. He's not a happy fellow. But but I didn't look at the rest of the article because I, I was like, oh, well, I still don't know for sure that it's CM Punk. So then I spent the next hour of the pay-per-view going, come on, come on. I just want to know who it was. And then, of course, as we all know, it was Christian, which... After the initial fifteen minutes of me sulking, <laughs> because I, if that if that had my if my phone hadn't gone off with those two words on it, I would have been like, "Oh, cool." But because of the circumstances of me watching it, I was like, 
<laughs> I had an hour where I thought CM Punk had signed to AEW and uh, was um, immensely <laughs> let down. But I've had 24 hours to dwell on it. I think it's a good sign. What do you think of Christian being signed? Um, oh, look, I think it's a good signing. I'm of the view that uh, there needs to be uh, a few, particularly with the extra hour, uh being announced for AEW on TNT. Um, I think they need a, a few sort of known guys because I think they've got their sort of young up-and-comers that need a little bit more work that aren't ready to be, you know, main eventing pay-per-views. And they, you know, they've got sort of, I guess, Matt Hardy, uh, Chris Jericho, who's on a different level probably than all of them. Um Dustin Rhodes, who's also on a different level than all of them, but that's not necessarily a compliment. Uh, Big Show, who's not actively wrestling at this point and I don't think is going to be particularly active as a wrestler. Like, I don't think, you know, he's not going to be in world title feuds and things like that. Um, I think having a few more of these guys who make the other guys matter is a really good thing, particularly when they're not, you know, guys who are necessarily immediately automatically in the world title hunt. Like, I think, mm. you know, if if it had been Brock Lesnar, Brock Lesnar probably realistically immediately needs to be in a feud with Kenny Omega for the title. Um, yeah. And that's probably the best use of him. Uh, Christian Cage might get there and he might be in a feud with... Uh, with... Uh, with 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 Kenny at some point, and that could be really good because Christian Cage is a really good in ring worker, or he was the last time we saw him actually wrestle, which was quite a long time ago when he was the world heavyweight champion. Really, uh, that was sort of the end of his career. Um, the one hey, more he's match- run at WWE after TNA was yeah, but that's what wasn't bad. But he just wasn't being utilized. Yeah, the one, but the one yeah. more match stuff. He was world heavyweight champion basically when he retired, or he was wrestling for the world heavyweight championship on SmackDown. That was the end of his WWE oh, was run. He yeah, that? Um, that was his sort of one more match thing. Um, oh, that's right. Yeah. yeah, I forgot about that. Was good. I liked that. Angle. Yeah, it was all right. That was fun. The uh, I think it's okay to have a few more of these kind of guys that can be in. Four-man tags, like the way they utilise Sting, Sting being probably the other example of this kind of Mm. talent um, who's active and can wrestle. Um, Utilising Sting in a Brian Cage, Darby Allen, Ricky Starks match is perfect because all of them looked awesome, in my opinion, coming out of this match. I thought this match was great. Like, I think that Vince McMahon is an actual fucking moron for not doing The Undertaker Sting uh, as a cinematic match. Like, I think that's so much money that that man just left on the table because very clearly Sting can have a few of these a year for the next few years and they're going to be great. And, like, you know, that highlighted Brian Cage looked like an absolute super freak physically. Mm. Uh, Ricky Starks just oozes charisma and Darby Allen looked like he looked incredible and Sting was just there bringing people's eyes onto it. And I think that's what Christian Cage, like they can have Brian Cage and Ethan Page versus Christian Cage and Diamond Dallas Page in the Battle of the Cages and Pages. Like, (laughs) you know, these are... 
<laughs> Although DDP looks slightly like he's dying at this point. But um Yeah, but that's all the plastic and toxins oozing out of his face. That, <laughs> you know but, what I mean? but after twenty years of living healthy, his mm. body's rejecting all the <laughs> shit he put in his head. Where but like Christian Cage is a genuine talent who, yeah, might be in a main event feud, but really can be really well utilized in, you know, random tag teams can be well utilized against Darby Allen can be well utilized against team Taz you know these kind of things there's a lot of fun options there's no one match that sticks out for me where I'm like man I just really want to see Christian Cage against blank but like Christian Cage versus Brian Cage obviously has a title problem but (laughs) could be a good match yeah I think um Christian is the uh, – he's probably the third best option, right? Like outside of Punk and Lesnar, which were always sort of pie-in-the-sky picks of who this was going to be, Christian was probably the best option as far as uh, legitimate – you know, because people were talking about Kurt Angle, uh, you know, Bully Ray, Dudley, whatever he's called now. Is it Bully? Bubba Ray? Bully. Bully. bully he's Ray. Bully now. He's the Bully. Um, that would have been the worst. It's a toss-up between Bully Ray and Kurt Angle. Kurt Angle fucking, you know, uh, Mr. Burnsing it down to the... (laughs) You know, I just every time I saw him... Like, I really like Kurt Angle. I didn't watch a lot of his wrestling in the early noughties, so I I don't have that love for him that a lot of people do. But even his run as GM last time, I quite liked him. I thought he did good work. But he is a walking embodiment of the pain and and stress that these guys put on their bodies and there's just a part of me that would have been like like one i just don't like seeing him in the ring Mm. anymore i just don't it's just like no you don't surely can we please get this guy some superannuation Mm. or something like can we is there a kickstarter that we can all put into to make sure kurt never wrestles again you've given us enough we don't need any more man you know Mm. like i get that you love it but Sometimes you have to just walk away from things that you love, you know. Um, I just think that, like, I've been saying to you, and I'll put it on the on the record. I was just really, I was really worried that it was Kurt Angle or or Bubba Ray or Bully Ray, whatever he's called now, for a couple of reasons. One, I just I see AEW as like the, and I understand what you're saying. I think you're right, but I think there is a perspective. Like when you go on wrestling forums, you, I saw it yesterday in the the chat for Revolution on Fight. Where you know WWE stands come flying in, they're like, "Oh, it says a retirement home for WWE wrestlers and blah blah," blah. and that becomes the optics, whether it's correct or not. That becomes the way it's seen, mm. you know. And you're trying to get as many eyeballs on the. I mean, the, the product's doing really well at the moment. It had a 1.3 rating last week with Shaq and all that kind of thing. So I suppose can, uh, TK could point at that and go, "Well, you know, Damo, when." When we get old stars and big stars from other industries on the product, people watch it. Yeah. But I, I don't know. I just, me personally, I would be pumping as many TV hours as possible into people like Brian Pillman Jr., um, Big Willie Hobbs, uh, you know, Ricky Starks, Darby Allen. Well, I mean, I don't think, I think, Christian- I don't think you can say Darby Allen at this point. Like, Darby Allen is 
is getting about yeah, as Darby much Allen's of a rub as a dumb example. I know, I know, but you know what I mean, though. Like Brian Pillman Jr. and but I they're not a couple ready. Examples, like I can't remember they're, who they they're are. really young, really early in their career. Like you know, but they're only going to get better by being on TV. Oh yeah, yeah. The look, TV, they should be on TV, like, but they don't like they don't need to be. They need to make themselves matter to the general flicking flicking audience. Like, look, so far Tony Khan hasn't done hasn't really put a foot wrong, right? So I trust him. Yes, I just, I just what like there is a concern in the back of my mind of like let's not turn this into. Like, we don't want the main event mafia, right? Like, you don't want that... No, not at this point. ...to happen. You know, as much as that might be fun to go back and watch now and be like, oh, my God, look at these guys running a company into the ground. <laughs> you know, that's the... that's the. Well, I think this... The last thing we need is to see Kevin Nash and Scott Hall walk down the... But I... You know what I mean? That, that's all I'm worried about. It's like, Christian is a good signing. He's obviously a good dude. Like, I used to listen to him and Edge's podcast. It sounds like he still loves wrestling and will be a really good influence on all those guys and all that. And so, all of the signings that they've had of the old guys so far seem to be those kind of people, which is also why I didn't think Brock Lesnar would be a signing either, because he just doesn't seem to fit in with the ethos of AEW, which is, we're all a big happy family here. Well, I think the Christian um, Cage says something about... Uh, the level AEW is actually at in the wrestling world as well. Mm. Like, you know, their big signings have been Chris Jericho, big star, not, you know, not a... all Like, he's an all-time talent, but he's not... Uh, he's not, the he's not Hulk Hogan, Stone The Rock, Cold. Stone Cold. Uh, yeah. You know, arguably Kurt Angle had a bigger run on top in WWE than Jericho ever did as well. Um, Not... Obviously not saying that it should be Angle, uh, as I agree with you, and I don't want to see Kurt Angle either at this point. Um, you know, not John... because we hate him. It's oh, just no, like, he's great. Not, like, he's just given us too much. Mm. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like a really generous friend. Like, stop. Yeah. Please, yeah. <laughs> stop. And, and, you know, and Moxley, who is at a, you know, he was a former world champion uh, of the three members of the Shield. He was definitely the one that... Was the least invested in, which I think shocked people uh, coming out of the mm. shield. Um, you know, he was at a certain point in his career where he would have these moments of sort of getting hot and everything's a bit exciting, but you know, a lot of it was hot dogs and nonsense. Um, yeah, and you know, the big show is it, you know, at the end of his career, uh, Sting 60 years old, and you know. He's, he doesn't have the, you know, sort of cachet of certain people. And uh, Christian Cage, who is, a, yeah, once again, a former world champion, um, but, you know, someone that wasn't invested in in the same way as his tag team partner was. Um, you know, yeah. they haven't got the Brock Lesnar. Like, we were talking, like, we were just, like, spitballing, like, imagine if it was Cena. Imagine if it was Lesnar. Like, these are actual... <laughs> Like, when they were sort of, you know, some some of the more hysterical people were like, well, the rumours I'm hearing, you know, this will change the industry. Like, Christian Cage does not change the industry. There's probably, I would say, zero people tuning in because they're like, fuck, man, I need to see Christian. Um, mm. Like, is, this is not a ratings grabber. This is, you know, how they play it could be, it could solidify their roster and, you know, strengthen their roster. But this isn't, yeah. you know, John Cena. 
I think it's a smart pick. Like if you were talking about it in sports terms, you know, like sporting teams now, especially with the idea of Moneyball, like the Moneyball philosophy mm. and all that kind of thing of like, and and Australian, American, English sporting teams all sort of playing a lot more for the now, you know, on one hand and then trying to plan for the future and at the same time, you know what I mean? The, like there's the, this is balancing act of like, oh, well, we need to win games because we're a business and that's our business model but we also need to like tr- essentially train up a group of, of athletes who can carry us through the next five, 10 seasons as well. Mm. And I feel like Tony Khan is taking that approach to the AEW roster. And that's what Christian is. He's that signing. It's like, this is a guy that all of these guys can learn so much off while also being, you know, like equitable for me to invest in and actually put out in the ring. And people will be like, you know, if you have a Christian Jericho feud, people are going to watch that, man. You know, like, if you have an Orange Cassidy, if you, if Christian turns heel and you have an Orange Cassidy Christian heel, that could be so much fun to watch. So, after, you know, after 12 hours of sulking on the inside, you know, and I actually started looking at it as a as a as an adult, I was like, this is a really good signing. This is a typical Tony Khan signing of, of it all makes sense. And he also like would be good on commentary. He could be a manager. There's so many roles that he can. Yeah. But I think you're still like, despite the money ball theories and all that kind of stuff, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers wouldn't be in the Super Bowl without Tom Brady. Like, you know, they don't have a Tom Brady right now. That's the next step for AEW, right? Is to, yeah, I mean, there are plenty of people on their roster that I think that they can turn into that, you know, franchise mm. play. I, me personally, I think it's Hangman Page. Yeah, but there's plenty of other people. I mean, Omega, Ricky Starks, Darby Allen, Kenny Omega. Kenny Omega is probably already there, though, right? Like he's he's doing that now. He's probably AEW's main. Him and John Moxley are their main. Yeah, but guys, I, he's right? not a he's not a crossover star. Like he's just not. Not yet, but if he keeps doing what he's doing, it's only a matter of time. But you know, maybe I don't know. But they need that's. What is I was he too say, good in like, the ring is, to be a to be a big star elsewhere? Is that where Kenny Omega's fucked? None of those other people. Like Austin became a massive, incredible deal when he was, you know, on the downside <laughs> and not wrestling. Like when he was stunning Steve Austin, The Rock was you know fine in the ring. Uh, Hulk Hogan. Early Hulk Hogan was actually all right in the ring, but not, you know, once again, not a. And then you have people. Is is Kenny Omega destined to be Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels? That's what I'm saying. No, like I'm not. Like I'm not having a go at them. I mean, the pe- these people are not the level of star, but the wrestling fans love them way more than John Cena. Yeah, it depends. Like it just. I think ultimately, <clears throat> what people remember, right, is the like. I mean, I know people remember Stone Cold now and The Rock now and talk about the Attitude Era and all that kind of thing. But really, ultimately, when people were tuning in, it was because of the stories, right? So if, yeah, if Kenny pe- Omega yeah. and John Moxley keep telling stories the way that they are, but people were wearing AEW's ratings keep going up the way that they are, then people were wearing Austin three sixteen t shirts and Your Next t shirts and NWO t shirts. Like this, the reality is what AEW yeah. actually needs, and this I can't believe I'm saying this, and this may be the end of my very brief, very spectacular career as Jamaica's number one <laughs> wrestling podcaster. 
Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, I forgot about We haven't mentioned that on the podcast. That's, that's a, <laughs> Thank you to everyone who's listening to us in Jamaica. Um, so we're not laughing at you guys. It's just a weird thing to wake up one day and be the number one <laughs> wrestling podcast in the country. AW, and then that country beat Jamaica. AEW has a but bunch of, you. you know, Kenny Omega best bout machines. What they need to do to hit the next level is have a Bill Goldberg. Their own Bill Goldberg, but they need to do it. Mm. Like, there needs to be someone who is just... I think... A- y- you know who I... Mm. Sorry. No, go ahead. No, I, th- the, I think the person who has the ability to be the biggest crossover star, and uh, you'll probably be like, you're a fucking idiot, is Orange Cassidy. O- only because I've seen people... Like, I've had friends over who will be like, hey, you got any wrestling to watch? And I'll be like, yeah, yeah. And then I'll put it on, and uh, a friend of mine, Lucas, who I've mentioned a few times, the guy who loves Nick Aldis, so you give him no credence whatsoever, <laughs> was watching AEW with us, and uh, as soon as Orange Cassidy walked out, he was like, who's that? You know what I mean? He's got that, because it's such a bizarre gimmick, but then, like, he watched the whole match of him, and then by the end of the match, he was like, I like that dude, he's pretty cool. And so now, like, he'll ask about Orange Cassidy. My sister's seen Orange Cassidy and had the same reaction. And these are people who do not care about wrestling at all. So I'm just going on like a couple. I know it's only a couple of examples in my real life, but it, it, he has that tendency to draw people in because of the weirdness of his gimmick. And then he's actually exciting to watch in the ring. See, but I think there's, there is a little bit of a, a you know, that's people who are, what, what I mean is people who switch over and haven't watched wrestling for 20 years or occasionally tune in like, if they've got Wardlow just, like, ripping people's heads off in three minutes and there's, like, you know, whatever kind of story, like, someone like that that just has some... I'm not saying Wardlow's the answer, but some massive fucking guy I, I think killing people. I think it's Hangman Page. I think it's Hangman Page who has the biggest upside as far as that is concerned. That's probably right. Um, anyway, we, we, we're only... At, we, this was supposed to be a short, <laughs> casual episode. What's the second thing that disappointed you? Because you just explained um, why the oh. first thing that disappointed you didn't disappoint you, so I look forward to this. <laughs> well, no, it did, but but there were you know there were dumb reasons for it. So I didn't want people to think I was sitting there marking out, going, oh, "I can't wait until CM Punk walks down <laughs> the aisle." Um, they're not big things. I just QT Marshall and Dustin Rhodes being involved in that. I really, I actually really enjoyed that tag. Yes, me too. Battle Royale. I, I thought it was heaps of fun. Uh, just like, and I know it was only 15 seconds of like a 25 minute mm. match or whatever, but anything to do with QT Marshall and Dustin Rhodes, I'm like, fuck off. Like literally yep. I'm watching the TV, Q- QT Marshall jumps over the ropes, eliminates himself. And JR and Tony are, are like, oh my God, QT's eliminates him, has eliminated himself. And I said out loud to myself, like a crazy person, who fucking cares? My, uh, I agree with you. I was also like, <laughs> I I'm, just don't care. I was like, I'm actively never going to think of this again. But, uh, and you've ruined it for me. Uh, Sorry. That's all right. All I've got to say <laughs> is, uh, John Silver was my takeaway from this. And John Silver is such a, like, he is going to, like, if AEW really hits, he's going to be one of those sort of foundational talents because he is, he looks so strange. He's he's really good in the ring and he's just got, like, incredible charisma. He's the kind of person that kids would love. Like, he's just like, he's when he gets serious, he's yeah. great. 
when he's yeah. being silly, he's great. Like, you know, and having him around, you know, like, I, you know, obviously he's not going to be part of the, the sort of, I guess, um, they've gone from being dangerous incels to something entirely different. For, essentially, they're playing 14-year-olds at this point. Um, but he is he is a massive star. I also thought, I actually quite liked Griff Garrison in this uh, match, which was mm. weird. Um, and I was kind of into Bear Country, although I think that, like, yeah, me too. you know where Bear Country are going? TNA. They're going to Impact. They they have <laughs> such a look of Impact talents. I don't know what it is, but it's like the camera actually gets, like, a little bit worse when it's like the hair. <laughs> yeah. That's not You're just like, like, oh. I know exactly what you mean. An but... Impact talent. Um, all right. What's the, what's the third thing that disappointed you, and can I guess what it is? Yeah, guess. Is it the the end of the exploding part why I death match where there was uh I have like Dave Batista's pyro, Goldberg's pyro is better than the embarrassment that was yeah. the pyro in this match. Well, yeah, I want to I just want to prefix this by saying like I wasn't like this is shit. I lo- I loved every second of it until the countdown hit and then the explosions went off and I was like, oh, there'll be a second explosion. And then uh, um, I'm completely blanking on Eddie Kingston. God damn it. How can I forget Eddie Kingston's name? Can you explain to me what happened there? So he's come out to protect John and then the explosion's so underwhelming that it just looks like yeah, so- Eddie Kingston is an idiot. But he's selling it because that's... So this is the end of... The Anita Terry Funk exploding barbed wire death match. Uh, Anita covers Funk. Um, it's like this incredible, like it's it's literally the exact same thing. Uh, yeah. It's it's like one of the greatest pieces of, pieces of uh, in ring storytelling like ever. Um, it's on YouTube. the The commentary's in Japanese, um, but like it's it's the only thing I've ever watched. Where the you know commentaries in Japanese, you're just watching the match, and you're like this, like I can tell the whole story in this match. Like it's it's an unbelievable match. Um, you know mm. Terry Funk trained Anita, so that was sort of the storyline, and then um, you know the bomb goes off and Anita covers Funk, who's he's beaten. Um, it's like a wonderful, wonderful thing, and that was the Eddie Kingston thing was you know supposed to be. Well, I assume we're now going into a face Eddie Kingston versus Kenny Omega feud, or we would have been if they could show that as a, you know, Moxley's going to go away and be a dad for a little while. Mm. Uh, but now, who knows? Because I hope they never ever like that. They will have to address. Like they will have to just be like, "Hey, Kenny Omega's shit at building rings, right, guys?" <laughs> but what an underwhelming. Uh, yeah. Having a couple of sparklers go off, like you think they could have even rigged the ring to have dropped or something. They're, they're, like there should have been something, yeah, something. Um, it, they literally like were like little New Year's Eve sparklers that went it, off, and then there was kind of like a a slight explosion. It just and it was such a great match. Um, yeah, I mean, look, I don't. <sighs> 
Yeah, it's hard to not take that into consideration when reviewing the match, right? Because it's so good right up until... Like, when when uh, Eddie comes out to save John, I was like, oh, fuck, this is really... Mm. This is really good booking. And then the explosion went off and I was like... I actually couldn't work it out in my head. I was like, what's wrong with... What's wrong with Eddie Kingston? Because nothing should have hurt him. I don't... <laughs> You know, I couldn't work it out. It took me like five minutes to come to terms with the fact of like, oh, those explosions weren't as good as they were meant to be. Yeah, and like it made the it it just made it look so carny with the the you know commentators being like, oh my god. Also, Jim Ross sounding like he has like like surely in a world where you're not supposed to come to work if you've got a sniffle. uh, Yeah, Jim Ross Jim Ross uh, sounding like sandpaper was not ideal. Um, no, but on the on the match, like the, the the problem was, it's a Vince McMahon philosophy of like, you know, if you fuck the end, that's what people are going to remember. And the reality is, people aren't going to remember that match at all. They're just going to remember how embarrassing that end was. Like there are a couple of bad botches. Mm. Like you know, there was there was Cody. I think drop kicked. I can't remember who it was. He drop kicked someone. And just completely missed them. And there was Marco Stunt uh, doing a Hurricane Rana on Evil Uno where the Hurricane Rana sort of botches and then Evil Uno just starts running towards the yeah, post. Yeah, ran across <laughs> and slammed his own head into the <laughs> post. Which, I mean, you know, if you're a real cynic, you could be like, that's wrestling. But it was so <laughs> obvious that, you know, like, uh, that, yeah, I noticed that as well. Yeah. I am, um, what is going on with Cody, man? Like, so I really enjoyed the. Did he actually dislocate his shoulder? Because it looked like he had. I, d- I when don't he went know. Out of the but I really enjoyed the meta story of that match. Like I don't like I don't really give a shit about Scorpio Sky winning. Like I think Scorpio Sky can be exciting. I think he was the first yeah, homegrown talent. I guess homegrown talent to be exciting on AEW when he sort of took off that time when he ran to the ring and lost his shoe and all that kind of shit. Um, mm. And then, you know, they sort of put him on ice. Like, I would rather see him lose to Darby Allen than basically anyone else in that match. Um, I thought maybe they were going to build up Lance Archer. I thought Lance Archer maybe being, like, in the mid-card picture with Darby Allen could be an enjoyable But I think this is a good uh, way to... Feud, but they're both faces at yeah, the moment. And so. Lance Archer looked so strong. Like, this is a good way to just say, like, yeah, Lance Archer's, like, still a murderer. Like, he didn't lose the match. Um, Cody's still, you know, the, the golden child. He didn't lose the match. Ethan Page is debuting, um, which we should talk about in a minute. Um, but mm. I think, yeah, letting Scorpio Sky go lose a match to Derby um, and then Derby get into an actual storyline feud with someone is perfectly good. But I do love the meta booking of Cody as sort of the Triple H, like, lol, Cody wins. Even though he bear like Cody barely wins, but there just seems to be this thing where it's like the crowd started starts to like retract every time Cody like it was it looked like they were telling the story that, you know, Cody's gonna win this match and you know he's gonna win and this is like the kind of match Cody wins, so then he can lose to Derby, but you know that he'll win. And it was just done mm. really well. It was like I thought that was done really yeah. well. Um what do you think of Ethan? Yeah, Page? I was I was yeah. I just was going to say really quick. I was really worried that Cody Rhodes was going to win that ladder match. Yes, and I just was like, "What? No, why? <laughs> That's the worst possible booking you guys could do." But they didn't do it. So uh, I don't know why I still can't trust AEW. It's been almost <laughs> two years, and I 
you know, <laughs> it's just I've got so much like traumatic stress yeah. disorder from Vince. You've, you've you know, been in a quite you've <laughs> been in a relationship with an Vince abusive for, relationship and like for, yeah, he's gaslit you yeah. and all this kind of stuff, and so you're like, <laughs> I know AEW is coming for me. Yeah, I can't accept that they love me for who I am, and I'm just, <laughs> you know, um, I, I liked Ethan Page on on uh, on uh, Impact. Yes. I really, you know, stupid things like the Karate Man. You know, I'm going to be into that. <laughs> so, uh, I know people really paid out on that last um, that last sort of <laughs> cinematic match <laughs> that he did with himself. Uh, I think it was meant to be that bad, guys, and a lot of people missed the point. Yes. Um, but anyway, I, uh, I'm i looking forward to seeing what he can do because he, he, um, he's really good on the mic. He's good in ring. Uh, he's a solid mid-card guy at the moment. Maybe he can go up yeah. uh, uh, even further. I think um, he's got massive But I think, again, potential. it's a good solid. Yeah, I think it's a good solid signing. Absolutely. Like, I'm way gladder to see him in AEW than I am in XT. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm always a bit disappointed when I see people I like in NXT now because I, there's just, you know, and I I try really hard not to do this, but, uh, you know, like to be the AEW shill. But, I mean, it is an AEW show, mm. so if you're listening to this, <laughs> you're like, I can't believe they're bagging WWE. <laughs> but when you see people like, um, oh God, well, like Priscilla Kelly just signed with NXT mm. and you're like, oh, man, like you are not going to be utilized properly. Like, you're going to get to NXT, Hunter's going to look at you and go, oh, cool, a rock chick like me. I'm a rock dude. Let's make you a rock chick. You know what I mean? Like, are you into Alice in Chains? You know, like, to, you know what I mean? Like, the same thing that he did with Shotzi Blackheart, where it's like she's coming out in a toy tank. And, I think that might be actually you know I mean? Shotzi Blackheart's thing. But um, no, I think she's God, really no into the- way. There's no way she's going to show up to NXT and be in a toy tank. She didn't I think she was doing when she was in NXT. She was doing it in the indies, I'm pretty sure. She had her own toy tank. Yes, I believe she got it from a band. There's like a story behind it. Are you yes, sure? Yes, I mean I'm not 100 percent sure it was in the indies, but I'm 100 percent sure anyway, it was her thing. Um, Priscilla, Priscilla <laughs> Kelly is one of the better in-ring workers in the world, and she'll get reduced to you know a stereotype as, as like com- being a fucking punk rock. As compared something. to AEW, who does so well with their women. But on that subject. Uh, no, well, you're only going to get a better division if you keep signing. How good I mean? was the Reho match? The Reho match. Oh, God. Okay, cut that, please. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no way, no, Mr. The Big Racist Man. <laughs> <laughs> please cut that. How good, how good was the... Yeah, sh- she, had a, she had a match of the buy-in. Um, the... the uh, the Sheeta match was the be- probably the best wrestling match on the card. Yeah, yeah, probably was. I thought the buy-in match was fantastic. Maybe not as like a pure wrestling mm. match, but um, uh, Maki, Maki Ito, am I saying that Maki right? Ito. Ma- Maki Ito, she's awesome, man. Yeah. Like, I, like I'd heard all the online buzz about how funny and stuff she is and blah, 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 blah but... She's going to be great. And she's a heel, which is awesome mm. as well. The The women's division needs more heels. She seems to have buddied up with Britt Baker. So I'm looking forward to seeing what those two numbskulls do together. Reba was awesome as well. But anyway, we were talking about the Hikaru <laughs> Shida match. Uh, it was great. It was great. Uh, it's just, it's a, a, it is a shame 
I don't know what else the girls who are in the women's division in AEW have to do to get more TV time. They just keep every time they get on TV, mm. they have great matches. So I don't. Well, I just don't know why they don't, don't do I just more. Don't understand. I don't know why they don't do more of the subtitled stuff on TV, like particularly yeah, with the Japanese athletes. Like I think we're probably ready now for Britt Baker to be the one to dethrone Sheeta. And to have her sort of ruling over the division as painfully as possible and, you know, swole and, you know, there's just, there's too many good, hopefully the new hour allows them to develop some of these wrestlers a little bit more Um, because there's Mm. just so many, like Thunder Rose is such a massive star um, as is, as is Big Swole, Um, you know. Yeah. They've got more than Nyla Rose is is a good big beast, you know, like uh, there's... I really think AEW's women's division is is highly underrated, and people shit on it because they don't see any. Well, it's of it. because it's AEW's you know I mean? fault but- that it's not that it's being shit on because they're just not backing them. Um, and the I guess the other thing from the show that interested me was: is this the start of the inner of MJF kicking Jericho out of the inner circle? It seemed like it at the end. Uh, like that, um, you know, the promo that they mm. did. I mean, MJF couldn't couldn't have been more dastardly <laughs> villain if he tried. You know what I mean? Yes, <laughs> yes. I think we do need some changes, Chris Jericho. Um, but that's awesome. I'm into that. Like, you want to see that? It'll be a bit of a shame if the inner circle. I, I think it's the right time to break up the inner circle, but. Or, you know, have a change of leadership or whatever. MJF having his own, you know, uh, Jericho doesn't need to be there anymore. MJF can 100% be the leader of a faction. Well, it is starting Um, to feel like Jericho needs a bit of a shake-up with his character. Um, And he is the best at shaking up his character. Yeah. It'd be interesting to see if he goes away and comes back or does a face turn. What I did notice last night, um, and I, I know I come across as being obsessed with the commentary, but I think it's a huge, I think it's really important mm. <laughs> because it's such a big part of the storytelling. I agree with you, everything that you said about Jim Ross. I mean, what the fuck? Like, just have Tony and Excalibur mm. do it if you can't speak. If you, you know, if you job speaking and you can't speak properly. And also, like, there's a pandemic going on and you're 105 years old. And you come into work with a cold or flu or whatever. Um, anyway, uh, when Taz was on commentary, the commentary just picked up so much. Mm. It was just so vibrant. I was listening to what they were saying. Even though there was a few hints of them sort of taking the piss out of the um, cinematic match, it just there was this vibrancy. And I think if you had a Jericho, Excalibur, Tony commentary team mm. where you've got you know the face guy the heel guy and the play-by-play guy that's what AEW needs to concentrate on next and yeah. i know most other people seem to be like but jr's a legend I'm like yeah but if the legends can't do the jobs anymore yeah. <laughs> the job anymore then it's it's time to i just thought it was i just it was so noticeable that the commentary was better when taz was on mm. the, on the commentary test but um yeah, it'll be interesting. I, I, me personally, it might be a waste of talent in the ring, but I'd like to see Jericho on commentary. I think that could help elevate AEW to another level. Yeah, 
I agree. And um, like I think like Excalibur does deserve like, you know. He's in really good form at like, the moment, Excalibur. Him in the Sheeta match was remarkable. Like they that match would hmm. not have been as good without him. Um, you know, it's a couple of those little things. Like if the if the explosion hadn't have been such a dud, having Bryce Remberg the referee Remsberg the referee dressed in like hazmat <laughs> was superb. Yeah. Like things like that are really great when they do them. Yeah, the, they like the details. I mean, the, one of the great things about AEW are the details, the details in storytelling, presentation, all that kind of thing. And I think that's why I get so frustrated with Jim Ross and to a lesser extent Tony because they just don't get it and don't want to get it. And so it feels like a slap in the face as a fan of like, well, I care about those things. And those two are like, well, you shouldn't. And like, yeah, but I do. So <laughs> fuck you. you mm. know? Um, I thought the Orange Cassidy, Chuck Taylor, Miro, Kip Sabian thing was a bit of a, not a dud, that's harsh, but a bit limp. Yeah, I mean, it looks like it's the start of Miro breaking up with Kip Sabian, so that's good at least. Yeah, that that was, I mean, it moved the story along. I'm not saying it was awful. The, the bump Chuck Taylor took through the glass window was looked pretty brutal. It was a good start, yep. but it just kind of lagged, I think, you know, like for the rest of the... Yeah. It just felt very obvious everything that was happening in that match. What did you think of uh, Carney, Matt, and Hangman Page? Okay. I'm going to read too much into this. Matt Hardy is out there hustling people, pretending he's their friend, uh, you know, being like, well, you've got to join me or I'm going to fight you. And, like, (laughs) Hangman was like, well, I'm going to fight you. Like, that's what will happen. And whereas the Dark Order have shown Hangman, and same with with the Elite, like the Elite were like, well, you either formally be part of us or like we don't, don't want to hang out with you at all. You know, this there's been a year-long storyline about Hangman having difficulty with friends. Kenny Omega was like, you know, Hangman was a pretty good friend and Kenny, Kenny Omega was like, I don't want to be friends with you anymore and I want to fight you. And so, you know, Hangman mm-hmm. tells the Dark Order to fuck off and then when he needs them the most, they still come down and they're really happy for him and he doesn't need to join the Dark Order because he's their friend and it's okay to just be friends with the Dark Order and not join them. It's a story about friendship. This is the end of it, you know, but, like, what a wonderful story arc AEW's intentionally told. Um, and I think <laughs> well, friendship's I important. I think they probably have. I think they probably have intentionally told that story. I don't think Hangman Page would join the Dark Order. I think they'll just be buddies. Yeah. And I think that's great. Like, there should be yeah, more of that. that's fine. There really should. It, not everything has to be so black and white, you know? <laughs> like, well, I have a faction, and if you're not in my faction, we're not friends. You know who are infinitely, just cannot be faces, are the Young Bucks. Yes. They are so. I mean, they're so enjoyable to watch in them. I don't think I've ever come across a wrestler that I love watching in ring so much like they're both so talented but they're like they're incapable of playing a face role in their own company like they run a <laughs> wrestling company but they don't know how to play one of the two parts that you play <laughs> in a wrestling promotion it's bizarre like i just and then you know like they pan to the crowd and there's all these people wearing young bucks shirts and they're clapping and dancing around about young bucks winning and stuff and it's like am i it makes me feel insane, Matt. I'm like, am I the only person who can 
see how smug and arsehole they are in every interaction. Like, even Matt in the video packages where, you know, he's like, you know, this could have just been a a standard wrestling feud where, you know, we say we're the best and you say we're the best, but you had to make it personal. (laughs) Even the way he delivers those lines is, like, so fake that it just makes me feel like, I feel like you don't care about your dad. (laughs) I just just don't believe you, you know? Like, you could almost swap the, like, that tag match, you could almost swap the roles and it would have been... I mean, MJF and Jericho are obviously very, very good heels, mm. but, you know, if I was running the company, I'd almost be like, look, we've just got to swap these roles, guys, because the, the young buck, you, the bucks, you're incapable of being. Well, that's, faces. I think the reality <laughs> of this is that, like, they were running the MJF Jericho storyline and they sort of just needed to get them out of that, yeah. you know, get through that and then let the young bucks be heels again. Yeah. And they had this, the FTR story before. Prior to that as yeah. well, where you needed faces in that storyline because FTR can't really. No. They have to be heels, otherwise they don't. They're not interesting enough as characters to be faces. You know, like they have to be. Yeah. They're not even. Yeah. Anyway, they they're busy forming the Four Horsemen with Sean Spears and eventually Cody Rhodes. Mm, maybe. That's <sighs> happening. Arn came out last week and did the Four Horsemen thing. Yeah, but that's... I mean, J.J. Dillon was there and Tully Blanchard had just wrestled a match. Like, you know. Yeah, and Sean Spears came out and helped FTR win. Yeah, well, he's still Tully Blanchard's client. And and Arn manages who? Cody Rhodes. I'm not sure this is the story that's being told right now. But anyway... Oh, I think it's going to happen sooner oh, than you think. Christ. All right. Well, <laughs> look forward to Thursday. Thursday? For AEW, uh, the television show. Oh, it's it's so it's on Thursdays in Australia. Yeah, right. The <laughs> country we live talking, in, you and me. What the fuck happens on Thursday? Yeah, I live, I watch so much wrestling, I live on an American timetable <laughs> now. I'm like, <laughs> timetable. I think you'll, I think you'll find Wednesdays is when Dynamite is on, Matthew. <laughs> anyway, I, uh, I really enjoyed this paper. I'm starting to get, I'm getting the vibe that you weren't all in on. No, this, I, uh, I really, I thought it was, I thought it was really good. I thought it was, um, thought it was a really good pay per view. I thought there wasn't like any other than the explosion. Like I was pretty chill with the whole thing. I thought I really enjoyed it. Um, you know, look forward to see where they go next. Like, you know, we'll just see. Yeah, I think. Um, I mean, AEW is obviously in a really good place right now. I just think, yeah, the the one they just need one or two. I mean, you mentioned Alistair Black to me yeah. in a text message, like either yesterday or today, or something. That kind of, I think that's the next signing they need to concentrate on. They need to get a potential A-plus player from the mm. opposition. Alistair Black is the obvious one. He's right there. You get Selena Vega as well in the women's division. Um, and even maybe try and get like an AJ Lee yeah. to come out of retirement. And, and, you know, something that's, they, they're the type of people I think they need to start looking at. Or people like Billy... Um, Billy Cave, who are not being booked properly, you know, people who have huge amounts of talent mm. at WWE, but are just not. 
I mean, they sign everyone. So, you know, you've just got to find people who aren't happy there. Yeah. Maybe a Adam Cole, baby. I mean, if they get Adam Cole, then, like, things are, as as Jim Carrey said, smoking. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> I don't know if I've done my best today. Um, no, that's the best thing you've ever done. The <laughs> <laughs> um, um, well, I think we've probably ear bashed the listeners to death. Yeah. About this pay per view, yeah. um, I've I've got to go as well. I got to got to do something in a few minutes. Um, I just wanted to say that uh, the reason why NWA is not very good and Nick Aldis isn't very good <laughs> is that they're cosplaying eighties wrestlers. Like, who is Nick Aldis? Why should I care? He's just they're just cosplaying eighties wrestlers. And if you want to do a show like that, you've got to do more than cosplay. You've got to actually make make you feel. Uh, like it matters to these people, and, and unfortunately, NWA have mastered that. All right, guys, goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> All right, until next time, brother friends. Pepe is dead. <laughs> You're an asshole. <laughs>